reconciliation, justice, creation care, and domestic poverty. And if you read the, the description that's on our website, uh, you'll see that that has, like, it, it gets to be about a paragraph with all of the things that Melanie is responsible for. Melanie is on the staff of the presiding bishop, the presiding bishop Michael Curry. Before she was in that position, I knew Melanie in seminary. We were classmates at Virginia Theological Seminary. Melanie was a lot more seasoned by the time she got to seminary. She was a lot more impressive than I was, coming pretty close out of college. Uh, Melanie had already worked for the Congress Congressional Black Caucus. She had got one master's degree before she was working on the seminary one. As I've gotten to um, kind of grow up alongside Melanie in this priesthood thing, it's been really amazing to watch. Melanie's job title has reconciliation in it, and sometimes that's a sort of interesting, tricky word. We're not exactly sure what it means. Melanie has lived it in some really important ways. In seminary, Melanie served as seminarian at the historic Christ Church in Alexandria. The historic Christ Church is famous partly because it was Robert E. Lee's parish. Uh, then after seminary, Melanie went to a church down in Richmond that was sometimes known as the Cathedral of the Confederacy, uh, where Jefferson Davis was a parishioner. And Melanie handled that situation and congregations that were in serious questioning about this identity that they had held for such a long time. And she did it with grace, and she did it with an imagination that helped both of those congregations to grow and to expand their vision. Melanie was um, in newspapers when she was in Charlottesville, was part of the Episcopal Church's presence there. Uh, and she has been helping to lead the Episcopal Church's conversation uh, church-wide about justice and reconciliation over the last couple of years when that conversation has gotten a lot more interesting. She was brought on to the staff after I left the presiding bishop staff by our new presiding bishop, Mike Curry. And I think that bringing Melanie on the staff has helped them live more deeply into this work that Michael Curry calls becoming the beloved community, into this work that Michael Curry talks about when he says that we are the physical branch of the Jesus movement. And so I'm really delighted that Melanie was able to take some time to spend the morning with us here at Holy Communion and to talk about how we might be involved in this Jesus movement. So with that, please help me welcome. Is it A, I-95? B, M-I-5? 
church, it's ever-changing and growing nature, and the fact that no matter where you are, you experience it very differently. So presiding Bishop Michael Curry, who was elected at the last convention of 2015, has taken on what is an organizing and sort of restructured nature for our denomination, which we're calling our denominational structure, not our national church. And this is why, number one, because the church is in 70 countries. So lots of Americans, but also Haitians, Cubans, Argentinians. So we're in lots of different places. If you have a physical church in Europe, so you can go visit if you go to Paris or Germany. The second thing that we want to think about how we are restructuring the Episcopal Church is the idea of Bishop Curry's impromptor, our organizing statement. And I know if you've heard it, but the Jesus Movement. Have you heard him say that before? The Jesus Movement, or we are the Episcopal branch of the Jesus Movement. Inspiring people to think about ourselves as a larger, more involved, more grounded, more rooted place within Christianity and within culture. So here is Bishop Curry's definition of the Jesus Movement. It's the ongoing community of people centered on Jesus who follow him into loving, liberating, and life-giving relationship with God, with each other, and with the earth. So our life-giving, liberating, loving relationship is being brought out of just theory or theology, but into our work. So um, Mike is right to touch on the fact that my job is new job for the church for our whole department. And so our good folks are asking me for this is how we're structuring the design vision. And this question, who is the other deciding body in the school church? Who makes the rules? General conviction, right. So typically this way, the American government has houses. This will start with houses. <laughs> we do. We have a house of bishops and a house of deputies. 
in America? How do we train Episcopalians to engage and learn about the causes that are important to your city? Where, how do we spread the word that there are churches like this one that do work with your county commission, your local boards and bodies, and where that is part of our citizen democracy, our civitas, and our community of God? So we do workshops, we do trainings, if there's something you'd like to hear, let me know, because um, we can make that available to you. Um, resources, and there's a web page for that with all kinds of wonderful things going on. Um, it does our work with uh, prison reform, our work with helping people with their nonprofit interfaith coalitions around the country. Lots of open book. We do things providing resources and grants. So if you've got a really good project idea, when a grant comes up, feel free to apply. Maybe that can help you, yeah. The other part of our department is racial reconciliation. And if you looked at this year's general convention, you'll find out that almost a million dollars was delegated for this cause. So a whole other grant program, big grants coming up, about churches and dioceses working on the idea of racial reconciliation. And if they're open, we depend on you all, the church, to tell us what that looks like, what that's going to feel like. Um, there are curriculum, there are suggested ways that we have things that you can take to your church or your diocese to do your anti-racism training and all that kind of work. Um, so racial reconciliation is a big one. We send consultants out to literally go to churches and sort of do one-on-one -on -one work. Lots of work happening there. And then for me, the big one, care of creation. And this is brand new. And this is where, to be really honest with you, a lot of the Jesus movement is about stuff that the church has not done really well in the past. But we're okay with that. We're owning that. We're living into that. And one of those places is that we've been very silent for a long time on environmentalism, creation care, eco-justice. And so we're building and learning and growing into this new way. And so I have plenty more seed papers if you want to plant the little globe and grow some seeds. But we're learning, and you can hear Bishop Curry talk about Expanding beyond the idea that we really like community gardens, those are nice, or rain barrels, but how do we help change the narrative about climate change and its impact on people that are vulnerable? How do we help learn and teach each other on what we can do to actually kind of save this world, the world that we care about? And how do we advocate for those who are sort of victims of uh, environmental injustice, living in places where they are sick, needy, or need people to advocate for them. So creation care is another big aspect of the church. Another place where we've got a lot of grant money. This is a little theme. Episcopalians like to give grants out, but that's okay. It's our way of promoting leadership. 
It's our way of saying, this is a church that has a really good idea. Let them expand and experiment and let them be a teaching example for the whole church. Also within our department is UTO. Little blue boxes. Do you all have an in-gathering here in the fall sometimes? Yeah, and um, UTO and a lot of dioceses is linked with the Episcopal women, church women, um, are historic organizations. They are more than 100 years old. They have ample funds and they are alive and kicking. These are not ladies that sit around and do nothing but drink tea, but they're women who are using these resources saved up from way back to change and push forward the agenda of the church. So every year, um, if you or your congregation or your diocese have a really good idea, even students can do these access UTO grants. And UTO is just about amplifying the voice of people in the church doing really cool stuff. And so every year there's a priority statement. You go to the UTO website and all those little blue boxes of money, all those change um, and coins and quarters go into a big pot and millions of dollars a year go out to folks who are trying to do something new for the church. And the themes of the year are the same as the themes of the Jesus Movement. So you can always check that out. So we talked about all the little pieces within the Reconciliation, Justice, Creation, Care wing of the Episcopal Church and how these folks vote on them. So sometimes people go, oh, the Episcopal Church is just um, liberal, wishy-washy, do-gooders. No, we, we argue and we debate about it for weeks on end. And for some reason this year, people said it was the most peaceful and harmonious general convention they'd ever been to. So I don't know what that means where God is working in our church, but people are on the same accord that there's a time and the time is now for our church to get out of its shell. We are beyond worrying about are we shrinking or are we dying? But we're thinking about how do we make a church for the next millennium? How do we make a church that lives the Jesus life and not just does it in the pew on Sunday? So some of the things I think I heard in your diocese that you do are the Becoming Beloved Community curriculum. And that's on web our website. And it's a way to think about how you personally or in a small group or a congregation engage the idea of reconciliation. And um, I loved a fellow said yesterday, they use this not to think about race, but to think about the ways in which they have ageism in their congregation, the ways in which they are split and divided across income or lifestyle. Um, the curriculum is embracing the idea that Bishop Curry says we are this community of Jesus, and yet we need to tell our stories, to share our spirit, to enter in holy dialogue with each other. So that's something you could use um, and download, and we also would be glad to send someone out and talk you through it. But we're also learning and growing, and I think the thing I love about Bishop Curry is he's willing to experiment. So this was at General Convention this year. A woman from New York got on the phone, and she said, you know what, I'm really, I'm really worried about what I saw in the news about the, the parents and the children being separated across the border, what do we do? Can we do something? And to his credit and to our credit as a body, there is flexibility to say, yes, we are a people of God that answer the call when needed. And so since we were in Texas, uh, we weren't at the border, but we were in a place that um, near a small town called Hutto. There was two things in the town. It was a factory in this prison. And in the prison uh, were women who were separated from their children and uh, because they crossed the border. 
And at the time, we thought, well, what if we stop what we're doing and stop with the grand service in the convention center downtown and we got 50 buses, we put everybody on them and we had our morning prayer out in this field looking at that wall. And if you can't see, there are windows. And inside, there, there were some civil rights lawyers working with folks and they said they could hear you all praying. They could hear you all singing. And so folks who were um, like this priest close to the edge could see pieces of paper being waved around. And on the paper it said, we hear you praying, thank you. And for us, I think that was a revolutionary moment for our church, our body, our prayer group, knowing and being able to say what we have to offer is not just our money or our individuals going out to advocate, but people want to hear us praying. That's our witness. That's who we are. And I think that moment changed a lot of our lives and sticks with us that wherever you are and whatever you do, however you call and let that spirit bubble up in the church, people need to hear you pray. It's our job one. So um, we are bringing together all these pieces, figuring out what it means to be a person of faith, being a person of community, a person of civitas. This is um, Bernadette Princess, who is a member of the Gwich'in ethnic group tribe in Alaska. She is an Episcopalian. Their whole little village is Episcopalian. The village across the way is a Presbyterian village. The Presbyterian village eats salmon. The Episcopal village eats caribou. They're cut off from food and water because the warming weather has made aspen trees grow up. And the aspen trees are foreign, and they stop the running of the caribou, and they choke up the flowing of the water that salmon go to. And so these people, who are Episcopalians and their neighbors, the good Presbyterians, reached out to their diocese and said, we are hungry. We can't get good jobs because the jobs are being tied up with this pipeline, and we don't have access to our water anymore. Episcopal Church, what shall we do? And so um, young Episcopal leaders like Bernadette are coming and being a part of our Episcopal narrative and our advocacy effort. Here she is at the White House talking about how important the land is in the Arctic Wildlife Preserve. But she's doing it with the help of Episcopal government relations in our policy office, and our advocacy office. And she gave a great TED talk at General Convention, if you want to look at it online, talking a little bit more about what that experience is like for her and how our community of faith, supporting her from wherever we are, way down here, helps the people in Alaska. It's a bit of what we do as a community, as we learn to find our kind of sea legs and being people who are relevant in the world. And so, this is Bishop Curry's next kind of iteration. Because people will always ask, we like the Jesus movement thing. That sounds really exciting. And then they go, wait, what, what does that mean? She, I like it, but what is it? How do you do the Jesus movement? So um, he gave this sermon at General Convention. And he said, you know, when I think about how do you do the Jesus movement, it's a practice. It's a thing you do every single day. There are little bits of how you be a disciple, how you be a Christian that's equipped to live in the world. And it's, it's kind of like a rule of life if you're a monk. But I'm going to call it the way of love. And so 
This is the way of love. And I don't know if anybody been around a monastic community, monks and nuns, or around the Episcopal Service Corps volunteers. Every year they have to set up a rule of life. It's how you do your morning. Do you say your prayers and brush your teeth? When do you read the Bible? Where do you go to find inspiration and spirit? The rules that help us and form us to give us freedom and shape us. So, you are my guinea pigs to experiment with. We have the way of love. Thank you. For you all. And um, we printed 10,000 of these because we want a but Episcopalians do not like to be told what to do. <laughs> we, we do like to tell other people what to do, so we need to work on that one. But thinking about ways in which we can help tell ourselves and each other to suggest and compassion and friendliness, how are you forming and shaping yourself up every day for this journey? And the way of love is a way of discernment, it's a way of prayer, if you've seen these prayers that are suggested on the website under Way of Love, that you pray every day. Begin by asking, how can my words and actions and heart reflect the loving, liberating, life-giving way of Jesus? Ask God to help you as you make decisions. And at the end of the day, with genuine curiosity and zero judgment, ask, when did I see myself or others being loving, liberating, or life-giving today? Yeah. Where do I wish I'd seen or practiced the Jesus way? So, ways in which we're doing, and um, this is no secret, it's called Ignatian Reflection, seeing the holy and the spiritual in our daily life. And not that there's a one way to do the way of love, but there are ways in which we reflect on all the aspects with which we engage God and community. We turn, we turn inwards. We learn. So, Read some scripture every day. I heard that a lot um, yesterday. That scripture is grounding. We pray because you know what? You can't really do the Christian thing without prayer. That's, that's, that's where we are. We're people who communicate with God. We worship together. The gathering grounds us, supports us, helps us feel loved. And we bless. We share. You all do laundry love. Maybe you have a food kitchen. Maybe you do rides for people who are lacking mobility. The sharing is the thing that gives life to what we have. And then we go. We go out and we pray at the borders. We pray with people in prison. We be in companionship and solidarity with others. We experience that even if it's scary and frightening. And finally we rest because we're human, just as Jesus was. And we need restoring and renewal. So the thought is, as people learn and develop, a way of love for yourself, maybe for your parish, that it will help you not only be a better Christian, a better member of the Jesus movement, but also to discern together. So I'm going to pick at my, my breakfast table again. We actually had a little out loud talk about what's next for this parish, right? What's the exciting, animating thing after kind of growing and realizing that our next calling might be something big, might be something functional, might be the capital campaign plus 
how would you go about as a group deciding and figuring that out? Well, you could just have a meeting. Mike could just tell you what to do. Or you could engage in a prayerful discernment process where you held each other up and shared, turned, learned. Where's the scripture speaking to us? Where's the world telling us and calling us to go out? I wonder what you will do with that. And I bet you will do something fantastic and I can't wait to hear. But um, when you do decide, on the back, there is um, hashtag wayoflove.com. We are literally collecting all of the comments and everything is very open source so you can like download and manipulate this information. But as we live into what is the Jesus movement next, the point is that it's not it's not Mike Angel telling you what to do. It's not even Bishop Curry. It's we, the church. And as we learn to communicate with each other, I think our job at A15 is not to be the institution telling, but to gather in, to hold space, to hold the questions and the answers and share. So with that, I am glad to ask, what are your questions? What do you have to share? Got any ideas? What's bugging you about the physical church? I'll take those too. <laughs> And they 
brought the holy powder, you know, the holiday of the fun And then throw this red, yellow, and green powder on Jeff Davis every week. Thank you. 